The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Set you free. Happy Tuesday. I'm Leslie Marshall. Very busy day today. Coming up in the next three hours here on the only true democracy in talk radio. Because of guest time, and we've got a lot of guests to talk to today, but we also want to talk to you at 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. I'm going to do rip from the headlines next hour, and Talk Radio News Service will be coming up next hour at the end of the hour as well. Keep in mind, you can tweet us. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Leslie Marshall, and we will incorporate the tweets as well as take your calls throughout each and every hour, whether we have guests or not. In this hour, not one but two guests joining us. The first is Gail Lemon. Gail is a senior fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations, also author of the New York Times bestsellers Ashley's War, the untold story of a team of women soldiers on the special ops battlefield and the dressmaker of Kair Kana. She also is a contributor to Atlantic Media's Defense on Site, and in 2004, she left the ABC News political unit to earn her MBA at Harvard, no easy task, where she began writing about entrepreneurs in conflict and post-conflict zones. And that includes Afghanistan and Rwanda. More than a pleasure to have Gail Lemon with us. Gail, I think I heard you on another show. I was very impressed. And I said, we got to get that lady on. Thank you for joining us today. <laughs> Glad to join you. You know, as a woman, I've been dying for this to happen. And unfortunately, terrorists took over the front page by taking 14 lives. But there was a yeah. very important, there were very, very important announcement by Defense Secretary Ash Carter in making a decision that some people I think still are not aware has taken place. And that decision, yep, that decision last week was to open all jobs in combat to female service members. Um, uh, First of all, I would imagine this is something that you agree with, right? I do. I do, because I think it's an issue of national security. You want the best people in the best, in the right job, and it shouldn't matter who they are. Um, obviously, we, we can get to the draft later, but the, the first area of resistance and, and you know, they they're first of all, there are women already engaged actively in combat roles and have been in the military for years, correct? Absolutely. I mean, more than, you know, 10,000 women have already received combat action badges. Women have received silver stars, purple hearts. You know, none of this is new. And in, in addition to that. We have had arguments that I feel, I just say to myself, can't you do better than that? And uh, one of the arguments is obviously, oh, men and women shouldn't be together in small spaces. But we've already showed that even in non-combative roles, women you know, overseas or on a ship in the Navy, we, we see it now with people in Afghanistan, that men and women look, you know, work alongside each other. And seriously, when, when people are bombing you, 
you know, when you're, you're looking out for roadside bombs on a daily basis, I, I seriously doubt that sex is on your mind. I just don't think that people look at each other like that. Just like when, you know, in our workplace, it's not a matter of he's a man and she's a woman and look at each other uh, sexually, uh, but more so just look at each other as colleagues that we hopefully respect and in these kinds of positions trust. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, I understand that people can are, have lots of different views about the role of women in society and that we should really have a national conversation about not just women in combat, but what our forces are being asked to do night in, night out, day in, day out, all around the world, right? Particularly the fact that, you know, less than half a percent of America has fought 100 percent of its wars the past 14 years. Right. But, you know, the thing that Ashley's War is a team story and a friendship story and a story of women who were recruited by Special Operations Command to go on Army Ranger and Navy SEAL missions back in 2011, long before the combat ban was lifted. And they were recruited because there was a battlefield need to have them out there. And the men alongside whom they served, sure, it was a little bit shocking at first, right, if you've never served with people who are different from you, but they were focused on the mission. And I think we underestimate our forces when we talk about all the distractions and other things, when the truth is it's about getting the job done with the best people, with the right skills. And when we also look at the role of women, let's talk about why this is really essential to be done now, even though I think it's long overdue. And, um, you know, you've talked about this. When you have interviews in nations and especially areas like Afghanistan, even, you know, Syria, uh, Iraq, I mean, just name a Muslim country, and especially when you're getting outside the city limits, even within, you have to have women conducting searches of women or females. You have to have women conducting the interviews of women throughout towns and even house to house uh, to uh, abide by the culture and to be able to get the cooperation by abiding by the culture. That's right. I mean, the Ashley's War is about women who were recruited specifically for special operations combat missions because they were going on night raids to try to keep pressure on the insurgency, then uh, rising up in Afghanistan even stronger than it had been the previous year, and trying to make sure they had all the information available to find the people and the places that were either storing weapons or planning attacks against Afghan and international forces. You, you know, if you leave out half the population, which, you know, male soldiers, no matter how good they were at fighting war, were never going to be able to speak with Afghan women, that meant that everything women knew and saw and understood about their own communities went left unknown. And, you know, I talked to to Marines and then certainly uh, far more often Rangers because of the story uh, who would say, you know, we had this capability on our 10th deployment and we should have had it on our third. You know, those women should have been out there with us much earlier. And the truth is women had been out there in ones and twos with almost no training on those operations because the battlefield required it. And Ashley's War was about the formalization of that in 2011. You know, now... Four years later, we're having a conversation about whether women should be there. And the truth is, they've been there because America needed them. Uh, and America needs them now. We want the most capable individuals, regardless of, uh, of gender, uh, for the position. And, and women have uh, proven over and over that they are the most capable. So let's dispel yet another myth. We do know that physically some men are stronger than women. But some women are stronger than men in other areas. And, and quite frankly, since Adam and Eve in finger dexterity, which can be very helpful if you are a sniper, uh, can be very helpful, especially if you are a marksman or a marks person, I guess I should yeah. say. 
And there are women already out there. I mean, I know, you know, women in special operations, women are in Delta, women are in other places. We just don't know them as a country. And I think that means every time we have this conversation, we have to start at A instead of at Z, where we already are. And, and that was partly why I wanted to write Ashes War, to show we, women had already been out there doing. But it's just one story. You know, women, I covered Army Ranger School's opening this summer. And, you know, not a single one of those soldiers uh, went to prove a point. You know, these were young women who want to serve with purpose. They want to do the best job they can when their country asks. And for them, the idea of serving something greater than yourself is about serving their nation. And so, you know, it really is about finding talented people and getting them in the right roles. And for years, this has already been happening. We just haven't been noticing. And why have we not been noticing, and why do you think we're noticing now? Is it because of the escalation of the war on terror? Because obviously when Defense Secretary Ash Carter was announcing this, the decision had been made yeah. before the attacks in San Bernardino, the attack in San Bernardino. You know, it's, it's such an interesting question. I think we are noticing now for two reasons. One is that the war at last is front and center. You know, you can say the war. It's the Afghanistan war is still continuing. American forces are back in Iraq. American forces are now going to be in Syria. You know, people, I think, thought that they had a moment where um, we would not have soldiers who were in combat theaters, and we do not have that luxury uh, at the moment. Uh, The second thing is the regulations are finally catching up with the reality. You know, in 2013, um, Defense Secretary Panetta, and this is uh, in the epilogue of Ashley's War, lifted the ban on women in ground combat and said, you know, we're we're well past this, but now regulation is going to catch up with reality. But he gave the Pentagon and the services until 2016 to decide whether they were going to open up all jobs uh, to women or ask for exceptions. And what Secretary Carter did last week, as you mentioned at the start, is to say, hey, guess what? Everything is going to open up come January 1. And, you know, Leslie, I think that is what sets off a whole other round of conversation, that plus people finally remembering that we still are a nation at war, even if we don't feel like one. You know, um, many people are aware, and those who aren't, male or female, Israelis are required to serve two years in the military to be trained uh, when they finish high school. And we think, I think we all remember the picture of a female for the United Arab Emirates in a, uh, a bomber jet with thumbs up, and she had just dropped a bomb on ISIS. Um, Why is the United States behind, would you say, in some combative roles compared, or any combative role, uh, compared to other nations worldwide? So I don't know. I think the thing with the United States is that we are a country that really does innovate, but oftentimes the regulations catch up after the reality. And, you know, I mean, there's a story in Ashes of a commander who, when one of the new field artillery officers who ends up joining this team shows up uh, to work for him, he says, listen, you know, this is the job. I want you to be my number two. Uh, and she said, what do you mean? I, you know, that job is officially coded for men. He said, oh, you know, we'll, we'll figure out the paper later. But right now, let's deal with, you know, the fact that I need this job filled. And, you know, so for years this has already been happening where people have just worked around the regulations. You know, women could not be attached to special operations units uh, even now, but they could be assigned to them. And that, I'm sorry, they couldn't be assigned to them, but they could be attached to them. And that difference between being assigned and being attached is what allowed women for years to be out with special operations teams. So I think it really is that a lot of this law, law, these laws and regulations take time to catch up with reality.
Um, there are those out there that would say, why would a woman want to do this? Are, are mm-hmm. the reasons the same as the men, do you feel, that they want to help make the world safer? They want to save people. They feel it's their duty. They want to defend their nation. They want to get in on this fight. They want to kill the bad guys. Yeah, I mean, I think it really is the same thing. It's about serving something greater and being part of this community. And I think what was so special about uh, Ashley's War and the teams in it uh, that went on for years after this story is that this was one of the first times women had been recruited, trained, and deployed as a special operations team for combat operations. So always women had been serving in ones and twos, right? They had never had access to this kind of sisterhood in the same way we talk about the brotherhood. And I think for those who serve in these roles, there is a community unlike any to which you will ever belong. And it is really the drive to serve something that is bigger than you are and to make a difference for your country. No uh, no question about it. Um, when we look at the role that women play and this decision and this announcement, I feel that generally men now and even men who have been in very high-ranking positions in the past, support this and applaud this decision because uh, they have found over the years that women were an asset to their unit and they want to continue that going forward. No, it's interesting because what you see is uh, America really being surprised by the fact that a lot of men who have served with women for years um, aren't shocked by this. Uh, I brought a Marine with me once to a book event because people could think, well, what do men think? What do men think? And I would tell a story that was in Ashley's War of a a ranger who served 12 deployments in the post-9-11 wars who said, you know, these women have heart and they have guts and they have grit and all they want to do is be out there doing the best job they can. And as long as they add value, they're on the team. And it's proving themselves night in, night out. But, you know, it was nothing compared to having a Marine there saying, you know, we got shot up one day and it was uh, a female who was Marine who helped pull me out of danger and saved my life. So, you know, I think that for a lot of the young generation, younger generation, this post-9-11 wars, this is not a terribly shocking thing. Okay, we're going to take a break. And we will be back uh, right after this. Don't go away. Pick up the phone and join us in the meantime if you have any questions or comments. Gail will be with us just one more segment, two guests in this hour. Gail Lennon is a senior fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations, author of the New York Times bestsellers, Ashley's War, the untold story of a team of women soldiers on the special ops battlefield and also the dressmaker of Kair Khanna. Uh, Gail can be tweeted and followed there at Gail Lemon, G-A-Y-L-E-L-E-M-M-O-N, and the website is the same, gaillemon.com. Quick break, back to you right after this.
with our guest, Gail Lemon, Senior Fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations, author of the New York Times bestseller, Ashley's War, the untold story of a team of women soldiers on the special ops battlefield. Gail, thank you for holding welcome back. After the um, Pentagon uh, stated, uh, that, that, well, the Pentagon did state, quite frankly, after the announcement by Defense Secretary Ashton Carter, the decision last week to open all jobs in combat to female service members. There was a newly released analysis by the Pentagon, and, and basically uh, the possibility has been raised now um, that the Military Selective Service Act may change and that the Supreme Court case would be uh, that has exempted women from a military draft might have to change this line of thinking going forward based on this decision. What's your take on this? You know, it'll be a really interesting conversation. A lot of times, uh, even in the interview with General McChrystal that we did for Ashley's where we had conversations about the draft, and I think it is a time for a discussion across America about this. You know, most women in uniform would say, well, of course, right? I mean, equal rights, equal responsibilities, uh, even if there is a discussion about what roles American women who are drafted would play. Uh, but I think it really is uh, going to force a discussion that will likely come first in a court case about um, whether or congressional review, one or the other, um, about what, the role of women uh, in the draft. And, you know, we've had an all-volunteer force now for decades. So, you know, there is, that, there is the idea that, that that is going to remain so, but you do never know, particularly in the world we live in. No, no question about that. Um, you know, there are those that would say, look, if you fought for this, you know, you, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't have it both ways. Either you want to be equal across the board um, or not at all. Uh, one thing that concerned me is uh, you have men and women in the same household who are, you know, signed up for the draft. You have kids. There's got to be some kind of a requirement that only one per household can be drafted. Right. And, and, you know, I mean, I think when you talk to Pentagon leaders, they'll say, look, nobody sees this happening anytime soon as of now, right? But um, there were the last time, you know, during World War II, there were lots of these uh, exemptions depending on families uh, and the number of children. So I think that there would be a lot of caveats. I think there would be a lot of discussion. But uh, I do think that the conversation is going to happen because it is correct, right? If women are going to be in all roles, where does that begin and end? Uh, as a country. And I think that is, it's high time we have that conversation. I really thank you for being with us, Gail. I'm sure we'll reach out again. Thank you. And thank you for oh, it's a pleasure to join you. Thanks for having me. All right, Gail. appreciate it. Gail Lemon, like I said, senior fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations, author of the New York Times bestsellers, Ashley's War, the untold story of a team of women soldiers on the special ops battlefield. Also author of the dressmaker, Makari Akana. And uh, by the way, you can follow her on Twitter at Gail Lemon, G-A-Y-L-E Lemon, L-E-M-M-O-N. And the website is gaillemon.com.